Welcome to another gathering of the Gold Key Adventurers Society. Have a seat by the fire as we prepare to help you unlock the secrets of the travel life. From theme park thrills to Purple Mountain's majesty, we want to see it all and do it all, and we want to help you do the same. We all have those bucket list trips, once in a lifetime destinations that we'll get to someday. We're here to help you make your travel dreams a reality. Buy the ticket, take the trip. Where do you want to go? Come on, come on, come on, now tell me what's on your bucket list. Okay, hey, okay, hey. It's a beautiful day. Okay, hey, okay, hey. It's a beautiful day. Welcome back to another meeting of the Gold Key Adventurer Society. My name is Dan Leonard. Hi, Dan. Joining me, <laughs> I didn't expect you to do it. Got you. I'm your, filling in for Jeff Williams. Your name's not Jeff. Joining me this week in the studio is Heather Strait. Hey, guys. The one and only. Just us. Yeah, Heather's the only one that was man enough to show That's up. That's right. Our show, as always, is brought to you by Key to the World Travel. Key to the World Travel is a full-service travel agency specializing in theme parks, cruising, and destinations around the world. Head to www.keytotheworldtravel.com for more details and a no-obligation quote on the vacation of a lifetime. I'm thankful for this heaping helping of travel news. First up, we've got a story out of Anaheim, California. So much news this week. It's crazy. Yeah, we got a long list here. Uh, yeah, we're not going to lead with the big one, just making you wait for <laughs> Just that. let that elephant sit in the room for a little bit. Yeah, y'all know what's coming. So so first up, in keeping with the new key of, the Disney key of inclusion, Disneyland has announced that they're adding dolls and wheelchairs to It's a Small World. It looks like they went up for the, for the Small World holiday overlay, but they're going to be a permanent thing there. And they fit in so well. I love Disneyland's Small World. It, I like it so much better than the one at Walt Disney World. Can I tell you a secret? What's that? I've never been oh, on it. Oh, Dan, I thought that might be your secret. Oh, no. <laughs> Not that I didn't want to, but it, my one trip, we spent a lot of time riding Buzz Lightyear and Pooh Bear. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff it's great like that. because they have all the, the Disney characters integrated into it and they are not. I know it all that when they did it initially, all the fanboys freaked out, but they're not obtrusive. They look, the look is perfect and they just fit the theme of the countries that they're in. And it's just a great extra touch. I love it. Yeah. And the holiday overlay for that is beautiful. Oh, it's, it's really gorgeous. Nice. Looking at the two photos I saw of this, it looks like one of them is maybe that's Mexico or Spain. I can't quite tell. Yeah, they I have think, a close up on the first doll in it. I think that's Mexico Looks, with all those marigolds. Yeah. Or, and yeah. then, where does this other one? The other one, oh, I think the other one is in the end scene where it's just dolls from around the world wearing white. Yeah, that's that final room. Did you know that there's a fan theory about that room? No, what's that? I haven't They're heard all this. angels. Oh, all the di- dolls have died. Fiery accident? Maybe I'm you know, right. Too much into that. <laughs> the internet loves to come up with weirdly macabre theories about innocent childhood things. And it's a small wild, it's one of them. 
I always thought it was just to represent that we're all human beings, so they're all wearing the same color, but they fit together even though they're different. I didn't need to throw the death in there. No, especially the death of children. Right. It's terrifying. We've really taken this story down. <laughs> this story this has is taken the... a dark turn. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, this is the first time in the 67-year history of the park that any character in a wheelchair has been represented on any attraction. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Seems like it was about time. Yeah. My question, I won't ask this question because I know that this ride is rather old since it's the original from the World's mm -hmm. Fair. Has it been grandfathered in? Is It's a small world itself, DA compliant? Oh. <laughs> I haven't thought about it out there. I think it is. You do have to be able to transfer from a wheelchair into the boat. But the loading zone is all ramps. There are no stairs. I hadn't thought of that, but they don't. I'm trying to think if, oh, you know what? Actually, they do. They have a specific boat that they can roll a wheelchair right onto. I forgot about all about that. Good. Now I feel bad for being sent. So, yes, it is compliant. <laughs> I don't remember whether they have that at World, but I am assuming that they do have one that you I can just roll on. Since my computer is taking a sweet time closing this tab and opening up the other one, how about we talk about the big news? We've got kind of a twofer here. Yes, I, I have a, a slight feeling that one may have maybe influenced the other a little bit. Just a little Just bit. Just a little yeah. bit of a straw breaking a camel's back, possibly. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about, first of all, we saw some surprising price increases at Walt Disney World uh, about yeah, a week ago as we're recording this. And the first, there was like a two-pronged thing with the price increase. The first part of it made sense to me that for Walt Disney World, like Disneyland, is now going to have a, your park reservation when you buy a one-day ticket. Mm -hmm. Your park reservation is going to come with your ticket, which makes total sense. And you have to pick which park you're going to visit on that one-day ticket. Makes sense. Which is it's great that because, and that's something you hear about is people who have on a whim decided to make a one day trip are mm -hmm. the ones who seem to not know about the park reservation. Exactly. Thing. Someone who's in town for something else, you know, at a conference or whatever. It makes it easier for them to get tickets. And it also is yet another way that they can control capacity. If there's too many people that are scheduled for the Magic Kingdom that day, you're just not going to sell a ticket for just a one-day ticket. That part made sense. It also made sense. The price, the, the dynamic pricing is now dynamic pricing by park. It used to be just Magic Kingdom or one of the other three, and now it's every single one. And again, that helps them with controlling the capacity. If you really, really want to go to the Magic Kingdom for one day in the week between Christmas and New Year's, you're now going to be paying a really a lot of money. That was a little bit shocking. $189? Almost $200 for one day in the Magic Kingdom. And they did at the moment say that's just their busiest week, which is from Christmas to New Year's. So. And like you said, that makes perfect sense. Make the dynamic per park. Yeah. Because you're never going to, Kingdom, you're never going to run into a problem with exactly capacity. or Yeah. So, so that part of it, I understand going to that model, increasing the, 
the minimum starting price and the maximum right now was, I thought, a little bit of bad timing. But again, by such a large amount and for the second time in a calendar year. Yes. And then the fact that all of the other tickets are going up as well. I just wonder yeah. what was going on in Walt in the Walt Disney Company's PR department when they found out that this was going to happen, because it seems like it's the wrong time for this. Yeah, for so many reasons. A week before this announcement, they had somebody on financial news shows saying, you know, if this inflation keeps going, if it, if we go into recession, we're prepared to do heavy discounting. Boom. Yep. We're raising we're the raising t- the price because if you're keeping score. The increase for the week between Christmas and New Year's at Magic Kingdom is $30. $30 per ticket. Which normally price increases for the year are no more than 10 Yeah. And um, right, we all are very aware that prices are going up everywhere. But this was not an inflationary price increase. This was not a, it's costing us more and we're not charging enough. So we have to raise the prices. This was just we can charge more so we're going to and right yeah. now in the climate that we're in it was just a bad move i really i was very shocked by it the second time in a calendar year and just the temperature in the country right now is it wasn't the time i also enjoyed the prices going up on the passes which on tickets that you cannot actually buy at this <laughs> <That> time was, <laughs> oh. We're going to raise the prices on all annual passes, but you can only buy the Florida resident pass right now. I mean, yeah. Just dumb. It was not great and may have in, it may have, I think, my opinion that it may have influenced the second bit of news that we were hit with at 9 p.m. on a Sunday night. Yeah. Bob's out. Meet the new Bob, same as the old Bob, right? (laughs) Bob Iger returning for two years, which is uh, the number is significant because they had in June given Bob Chapek a new two year contract, which was a little bit of a hey, we're watching you because that's not the normal length of their CEO contract. They gave him a bit of a shorter one. And so now Bob Iger is stepping in basically to fill those two years that were left on his contract. Though Bob's got a history of extending yeah. his tenure, so they some of the stuff I've read today, some insiders' information from the board was that they felt that Bob Chapek had done irreparable damage to his ability to lead. They felt that he had a string of missteps recently, and he really lost the confidence not only of Wall Street, which we saw today, Disney's stock price jumped what five percent overnight. Just with this Mm -hmm. news. After hitting a one-year low. He lost the confidence of major executives. The board really was not happy with him. And he didn't have the support of just rank-and-file employees after a lot of this stuff. I mean, this was a guy that couldn't walk through the parks without being heckled. (laughs) Iger did did leave on a high, so he's kind of coming back. On that high, and hopefully he can undo some of the damage that was done, go back to focusing on creativity and the gold that they have in their Imagineers 
and their creative staff. Yeah, at the very least, returning some of that culture that had been lost over the last mm-hmm. couple of years will be huge for them. I know that morale, especially amongst the Imagineering department, was very so low, low because of how things were being cut and the directions they were given and what they had to focus on, which really makes it kind of kind of exciting for some of the blue sky ideas that they floated at D23. I, you know, I don't think that Bob Iger coming back necessarily means they're going to start throwing a ton of money at the parks more that's going to magically show up because I mean, the Disney company is a lot more than the parks, but I think that he'll be more likely to not stifle Mm -hmm. the Give some of the control back into the hands of the creative people and not to the point where they can't even start these blue sky dreams without right. getting permission from the bean counters. Not even the, not just the blue, once it gets past the blue sky spot, mm-hmm. there's a lot of disappointing cutbacks on Marvel, yes. Avengers Campus, and Galaxy's Edge that were. Galaxy's Edge is a huge, that was the huge one we've been talking about for a while. I mean, that was directly, even though. Iger was still in his like co-leadership phase, then those cuts were directly attributed mm-hmm. to Chape. Yeah, so. definitely. So there's some hope for those projects they've got coming up. Fingers crossed that he can at least, I mean, he's not going to be able to fix it immediately. And it, there's still the economy and the biz and the numbers and that stuff is still important. But Chapek just didn't seem to be able to balance those two things and really cash in on the creative side and that was sad it was always sad to see that yeah when it becomes i mean yes disney is a business but it's not just another business it's got all that other stuff it has so much history and that history has always been steeped in the creativity Uh, i was talking to some colleagues this morning who were shapek never really had the the partner who could be the creative side Walt always had Roy and they had a, some other CEOs that had a partnership where someone could really be the person who watched the business and the numbers while the other person dealt with the creativity. They need a strong creative CEO and then someone who is the, the chief financial officer who can focus on the rest of the stuff. And then they need to be able to work together. This pairing seemed to be, Chapek always seemed more like a CFO to me. He wasn't a great mm-hmm. leader. That's beginning. Where he came from. He came from Disney stores, right? Yeah. Isn't that what exactly. he was in charge of? When so. you bring someone from the consumer product side and elevate them into that, someone with no background in the entertainment aspect of it, it can be a problem. And it just felt that way from the beginning. He also had the misfortune of not really being very charismatic. And so he couldn't ever get the the support of all the people, you know, nobody cared about seeing him walking through the park. You know, when you know, freak out like they did if Bob Iger was in the park, or even someone like Josh tomorrow. And yeah. who knows, he could be as responsible for some of the stuff we really don't like in the parks. But he's charismatic, and so people right. like him. Exactly. I think they didn't give Bob's beard a chance <laughs> enough of a chance to do its work before they came. <laughs> it came in too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm cautiously optimistic and excited for what Bob Iger can do in the next two years. And hopefully 
one of the main things he does is find the right person to replace him at the end. Well, that's one of his key goals that they put forth in their statement was that he's going to be working on the succession plan, and mm-hmm. the plan for moving forward. They were so. really hurt when Tom Skaggs left. Like he had been the one that was being groomed to replace Bob Iger. And then they just kind of went a different direction. Yeah. There was a weird time. There was a lot of like behind the scenes jockeying. Yes. <laughs> it's an interesting world if you really want to get nerdy about that. Some Which rabbit holes right you could go down. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Got enough rabbit holes right now. So more news out of Disney, Walt Disney World. We're now allowing guests more time to cancel their dining reservations before incurring a penalty. Yes. But it is important to note that there is still a penalty. So right. it used to be you had to cancel it the day before to avoid the cancellation fee. But it also became tricky day of if you decided you didn't want to cancel, but you wanted to change. Like you saw a better reservation pop up. You couldn't do that without calling. And that was always a huge pain. Mm-hmm. Now you can do that. You can change in the app the day of, and you can cancel up to two hours before. But there's still a cancellation fee if you do not change or cancel in the, before that two hours. That's right. And haven't we been seeing that I could be wrong, and if I am, I'm going to just cut this out. Haven't we <laughs> seen some people noticing that when they drop reservations, they're not becoming available right away. I have noticed that, yes. Yeah. So I don't know if that's directly connected to this or if it's part of some of their strategy for fighting the hoarders. They're, that is definitely a priority for them right now. And they're trying to figure out how to combat the hoarding that's going on. We uh, gave them the solution three weeks ago. Yes, <laughs> we did. It's easy. Charge a $10 down payment to be applied to your bank. I think that is the best way. Instead of a cancellation fee, have a deposit on the reservation. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. yeah. Put some skin in the game. Exactly. That's going to stop hoarding because in order to hoard, you'd have to have a lot of money free to hold all these reservations. It's nuts. If you've been in any of these dining, sharing Facebook groups, people will have 20 reservations for the same restaurant on the same day. And a lot of them like to say they're, I'm doing this to help people. That Yeah, but then they're char- trying to charge you five bucks to take over their reservation. They're not helping you. They're making money off of you. I think, I strongly think that this is a reason that we're still not seeing the dining plans back. I think they feel like they need to fix this before they bring them back. Because if, you have, if you've bought the dining plan and then you can't get reservations, it's going to piss people off. So Yeah, just, they don't want another, I mean, that'll be like the Disneyland AP Yes, thing just all more over. reasons <laughs> that we can't have nice things. Yes. Because people suck. But being jerk bags. I will say about that. And then, ooh, before we, ah, come on, there we go. Before we leave Walt Disney World, because I got things a little out of order. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's stay in the Disneyland, and let's talk about Disneyland real quick. So, uh, the Treehouse in Adventureland. Uh, this was very exciting news to me. So, Tarzan's uh, Treehouse. Yes, I was so glad to see this. Yeah, the the Treehouse has been closed for a refurb for a while, and there's a lot of speculation that they're going to put a new 
IP into it. I still don't understand the reasoning behind it. People thought it was going to be in Kanto. So they were thinking it was going to be like rumor that it would be in Kanto. Yeah. Inside the little boy's room who talks to the animals Mm -hmm. or whatever. No, but this is even better. It is going to be, it's going back to its roots. Back to Swiss Family Robinson. Kind of, because the official name, I didn't see, where is it? Oh, the, if you zoom in on the concept, it says it's the Adventureland Treehouse inspired by Walt Disney's oh, Swiss Family interesting. Robinson. Yeah, so it's not the Swiss <laughs> Family Treehouse, but it basically is. They're kind of renewing some of the decor, making some of it a little bit fancier. There's still the giant water wheel and all of that stuff, and it's inspired by Swiss Family, but it's, it looks a little more whimsical. It really does. The concept and, art is great. Yeah. I'm excited to see that though. I love the Swiss Family Treehouse. I love that movie. Yes. I was always as a kid, just that treehouse part of the movie was just fascinating to me. The ingenious little mechanisms they came up with all powered by the water. So, And it says it will open sometime in 2023. The opening date is still forthcoming. We shall see. How long has it been closed now that I'm thinking about it? It's been a little bit. It was this fall yeah. that it shut down because they were working on... Their first step was they took out that extra tree trunk that they had added that to support the walkway that was yep. blocking up the. A lot of it comes to they're just trying to open up the guest walkways so that you don't get. They needed that area right there as a bottleneck, and they fixed the one around the little barbecue spot over there near Indiana Jones. That one was always a pain. They took yeah. over our shop and moved the seating indoors to to keep that a little bit more open, but the treehouse was still. Back there can be really congested. Yeah. So so they move, they open that up. So that'll be good. That'll be interesting. I would love to see that once it's done. And honestly, I mean, let's update the one at Walt Disney. Yeah, for sure. Make it fun. Make it new, right? Make it pink. Make it nope. blue. Sure. Match, match the castle. Make it pink. Make it blue. Do you have anything else on Disney? No, I think that's it. The biggest Disney yeah. news this week was really the double whammy of Increasing prices and then getting rid of Bob Paycheck. Yep. May he rest in peace. Yeah. We are the heading Epcot. into the holiday times in the park, which is one of my favorite right. times of year. Yep, we'll have some we'll have some coverage of that, specifically the Epcot one coming up. In a that is a so. fun festival. I'm hoping that somebody will yeah. do the cookie stroll and give us a some ideas of how the cookies are tasting this year. Did you hear that, Kelly? Kelly <laughs> Cookie Stroll. Did you see Takumi Tay's opening back up as tomorrow or the day after as we're recording? My the oldest Wednesday. son is thrilled about this. He loves Takumi Tay. They it doesn't I didn't see any details on what the new menu is going to be, but it does say that they've updated the menu and I assuming the price is I think it was 250 for the meat option. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that went I'm assuming that went up because It's not cheap, folks, but it's really, really no. good. But it's a big, it's a very fancy tasting menu. This is true. It's on the to-do list. So that's exciting. That's all out of Disney. So Universal Orlando's got their holiday offerings. Grinchmas. Grinchmas started up November 12th. It's going to run until January 1st, 2023. And also Christmas at all the stuff at the same time. It looks pretty awesome. And also, we're going to have some people down there next week. And so we'll get 
some details about that. I just wanted to real quick, since we ran through some holiday food at for Walt Disney World, there was a couple of holiday food standouts at Universal that I wanted to get your take on. Apparently at Universal, they're really big on hot cocoa bombs. Oh, yes. This is a huge thing. Melting chocolate thing in your hot cocoa to change your hot cocoa. I don't have a good picture of it on this article, so it doesn't. They have a really cute one in Seuss Landing that's the hot cocoa, and you get this big green chocolate heart. It's supposed to be the Grinch's heart, ah, and it nice. melts in the hot cocoa and releases tiny little candy hearts in your Oh, cute. I like yeah. that. You know, since I'm like a 10-year-old girl, that sounded really cute to me. I also <laughs> am really interested in this roast beast sandwich that you can get at in Seuss Landing at the Circus McGurkis Cafe Stupendous. Mm, yummy. It's a roast beef sandwich that's been dipped in French onion soup. But then since the food in Whoville is like very big and very small, on top of it, they have a tiny little sandwich. It's a mini meatloaf sandwich so pinned cute. to the top of the roast beef sandwich. That's like so that. cute. Are you familiar with who Earl is? Yeah, Earl the Squirrel. Earl the Squirrel. He has his own hot chocolate bomb over on the studio side. The acorn bomb. Yeah, it's an acorn with like caramel and stuff inside Salted caramel filled acorn shaped hot chocolate bomb. You can also get Earl's Nutty Nog if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that sounds naughty. Yeah, the Nutty Nog (laughs) is back this year. We had a lot of fun talking about that last year. I believe, I, I, I can believe that. That sounds like us. It does look like they don't have, last year they had that cute little Christmas Christmas market. Oh, yeah, that was City cute. Walk. It doesn't look like that's back. Oh, that's they have a sad. food truck and a food trailer with some, not necessarily Christmassy sounding foods, but delicious sounding foods. The food truck choice. has a bunch of mac and cheese. Oh, yeah, I was just looking at that. The Nashville mac and cheese and yeah. golden mac and cheese. Pork belly belly mac and cheese, cheese. sweet potato pork belly hashed with bourbon pecan sauce on white cheddar mac and cheese shells. We have to put this on the do eat list for Kendra. Definitely. That sounds delicious. And then the the food trailer has a trio of Philly cheesesteak. I love a Philly cheesesteak. You're right. None of these really sounds all that holiday themed. Delicious. No. A lot of it this year is very hot cocoa centric, very peppermint centric. Which cracks me up. It's Orlando. I mean, you have a decent chance in December of having a coolish night, but I'm not sure whether right. it's hot chocolate worthy. For next week, this week, as you'll know, for next week, because we're releasing this week, the lows are in the 40s. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. So I would drink like hot 40s chocolate outside and. That Disney World in the 40s or Universal Orlando, pardon me. Yeah. So, yeah, I would do that. So we'll have some more info on the holidays. They're going to have the uh, Christmas light projection show on Hogwarts. That is as so usual. cool. The Grinchmas celebrations. There's all kinds of Grinch all over the place. And he's hilarious and fun. Mannheim Steamrollers doing their concerts. Oh, I- Holiday tribute stores back. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's holiday fun all over the place. Although I will say they craze, they close crazy early for wanting people to come enjoy the holidays. I the know. The parks are closing at like 7 p.m. It is all nuts. Next week. I don't get it. 
But other than that, go enjoy some universal holiday stuff. Come back next week to hear, or probably two weeks to hear some more. All right. Well, I think we're done with theme parks. We can move on to some other stuff. The rest like, of the world. Example. Yeah. Did you see Travel and Leisure has declared the destination of the year for t- next year, where apparently we're all supposed to visit the United Kingdom? I am down with this. I love the United Kingdom. I would love to visit the United and, Kingdom. And, you know, it's timely, right? Everyone here loves Ted Lasso. We're obsessed with the crown. <laughs> so it's time to go across the pond and see the sights of the shows that we love. Well, the yeah. Great bit British British Bake Off. Go, go wag a finger at those mean old royals who won't leave Meghan Markle and Harry alone. <laughs> right. All that stuff. I really want to. We've been talking a lot at home about really the UK in general, but Ireland is a destination oh, that's on our bucket list. Ireland is sure. one of my favorite places in the world. It's so beautiful, but one of my favorite things about it is that it's just, you, it just feels like home. Everyone is so friendly. It, I know mm-hmm. that might be, seem like a little bit of a cliche, but the Irish are really <laughs> friendly yeah. people and they want to help. They want to show you their country. They want to drink a pint with you. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's on our list. Whales, if you're into sheep. I feel like maybe Who I make isn't? that joke too often, but you know, I mean, Wales, a beautiful farming mountainous country where Led Zeppelin wrote some of their best albums. Scotland is still on my bucket list. I haven't made it there yet. And I really want to see so much of Scotland, but Scotland I'm saving cool. it for the summer because pretty cold there. It's probably a good call. times. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I was trying to come up with a, we'll just a slide. You can't My walk around in your kilt in the wintertime or you'll That's right. freeze your nuts off. At the, at the very least, you're going to have to put something underneath you. Yeah. Maybe that's what they keep in that rabbit fur pouch. In that, what's that called? A sporin? Yes. Maybe that's what they store in there. Their wintertime undies yes. for underneath their kilt. In <laughs> their nut warmers. <laughs> So yeah, go visit the UK. Have a pint. Or toast to the king. So weird to say that still. I know. I was thinking about that like literally overnight because they talked about how after the announcement the crowds were singing God Save the King. And it's it's so weird that like that, with the snap of a finger, their national anthem changed. Hey, it's now weird. they got to change their money and their stamps. Yeah. And all of it. Yeah. It also it's inspired so me to go back and rewatch The Crown from beginning to end. It's one of my uh, favorite shows. Never watched that show. You're missing out, Dan. I've just never understood the fascination with the royal family in general. So that's fair. I don't want to accidentally get sucked into being fascinated with the royal family and <laughs> I then not understanding been an myself. Anglophile. I'm fascinated with all of British history, so it's just fit. Uh, yeah. So this is a direct quote from uh, from a United Airlines pilot Ugh. 
apply a pilot who about a month ago at this point, we're a little slow getting to this story. It's been in our queue for a while. It's been he was a while, but saying, it's I, because I don't want to click on this story and have to see the photo, but let's get it over with. I have had it with these Mickey Mousing snakes on this Donald Ducking plane, says United Airlines pilot. And really, the snake's not that bad. I think they decided that it was a garter snake. I don't care what kind of snake it is. If there's a it's snake, it's an itty bitty loose... baby snake. Garter snakes are not necessarily itty bitty and baby. They can get pretty huge. Yeah, but then I mean, and it's I mean, also huge a is snake relative on a plane. <laughs> and I don't find snakes cute. My son keeps trying to show me videos of this person has a pet snake that they put hats on the snake and then it slithers oh, around yeah. the house in the hats. I don't yeah. care. The hat doesn't make snakes it and cute. hats are no snakes and no. hats are adorable. It also doesn't make it cute calling it a snake. I can't. No, well, I can't yeah. with the snakes. No, yeah. So the flight took off from Tampa and flew to Newark. That's from Florida to New Jersey for our geo- geographically challenged listeners. We love you anyway. So that's like a six-hour flight, right? Yes, and it was slithering around the plane the whole time. Yeah, nobody could manage to, to catch the snake. The I don't know whether something. I would have made it the whole way. I would have been so anxious the entire time. Uh, it was first spotted in business class. When passengers started shrieking and pulling up their feet, which is the yeah. correct reaction. You would think with the temperature they typically keep the inside of the plane at, that it would have been sluggish and easy to catch is what Apparently I'm trying to Apparently not. It's not usually toasty warm in an airplane. Garter snakes typically are between 18 to 26 inches long. So that's not really a huge snake. It's Just snake over dance. two feet. I don't care. I mean... I was 18 watching, to 26, uh, so re- realistically, that's more like 12 to 20 inches long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, this oh. is not the first time that this has happened. In February, a flight in Malaysia had to be diverted after passengers saw a snake in a light fixture. It was trapped. So they diverted oh, the flight boy. and remove the snake from that. Why why not just leave it up there and take care of it once you land? I mean, I guess. But here's the one that would have, I mean, I would have died. About a year ago, a large snake, it says large, believed to be a venomous green viper, dropped out from an overhead compartment on an Aero-Mexico flight in Mexico. I mean... No, thanks. No, thank you. Uh, Have you seen the movie Bullet Train? No. I just watched it on a plane, actually, yesterday. And part of the story involves a highly venomous snake. (laughs) And it's the, there's some stuff about it in the beginning, and then you forget about it. (laughs) But it's still there. I almost caused an incident on the plane, I think, when. (laughs) It suddenly the snake appears again in the movie, and I gasped so loud that the people in front of me turned around, and I kind of freaked out the passengers around me because it scared me so bad when the snake reappeared. I'm just not a fan, Oops. and I think it, that's Quit kind me. of one of my worst nightmares: is a snake being loose on a plane. I can't get yeah. away from it, Dan. That's true. But okay, I'd it. rather it was a garter snake than. A venomous. Yeah. No, 
let's leave the green fibers at home. Why do we need to? I don't understand why anyone's bringing a snake on a plane in the first place. How did it get on the plane? I have no no idea. One place that you rarely ever hear about snakes getting loose and wandering around, though, is on a cruise ship. I hope not. And I hope, especially not on this particular cruise, because Azamara Cruises has announced their 2025 world cruise. Apparently, they announced their, wasn't that long ago, was it, that they announced they were doing this world cruise in 2024 mm-hmm. and it's sold out like, so fast. It, it always shocks me how fast big. these things sell out. Yeah. So it's going to, it, the cruise will depart from San Diego and finish up in the United Kingdom. It's going to stop in a total of 37 countries. That's amazing. 155 nights. Yeah. Includes 46 late night or overnight stops to soak up the atmosphere of a destination. Azamara is a wonderful smaller ship luxury line too. It wouldn't be so bad to be on that ship for almost a whole year. It's going to Honolulu, Sydney, Bangkok, Bali. Oh, Even with a snake on the ship, I'd go. There's Uh, more places to hide from it on a cruise ship. That's true. So this, uh, this, yeah, this is a really small ship. The ship holds 684 Mm -hmm. guests. And also interesting that they are changing up the cruise. It says that 60% of the ports on this sailing are different from the one that they're taking in 2024. So they're moving around, exploring new places in the world. Yeah, and with a smaller ship like this, you can get into some of the more exotic, smaller ports, which is very cool. Yeah. Uh, as part of the cruise, travelers will receive $4,000 in onboard mm-hmm. credit, plus an extra $3,000 to spend on shore excursions. You get round-trip business class airfare to the port, and it also includes the premium beverage package for two guests and weekly laundry service. That's necessary. Yes, that's the most important part, right? They're spending a so. lot of time over in Southeast Asia, getting hitting Australia, New Zealand, all those cool places. It'll be stopping in Egypt. So great. Asia. Oh, I would like to see all of these places. They're not headed all the way down to Antarctica. You have to add that on on a different voyage. That's a real once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. So as we're recording, I can speak today. As we're recording, we're right on the cusp of cusp of the busiest travel days yes. of the entire year. Everybody and wants to go home for the holidays for Thanksgiving. That's right. Thanksgiving, and we've got some more food-centric celebrations coming up in the next couple of months. So with that, the TSA put out some tips was the to make top sure tip that you not are... to put a gun in a chicken. Was that on the list? No, we already covered that. I think that's separate. I... That's a different issue altogether, <laughs> which I still don't understand. I'm still confused how that happened. But yeah, if you're flying home for the holidays, we've got some tips, which really, it seems like a no brainer. If it's more than 3.4 ounces, you got to check it, right? Yep. Even if it's it's a can of your homemade cranberry sauce. That's right. So foods that are liquid or spreadable need to be carefully packed into check luggage. I think that might be where some of the confusion comes in. 
the spreadable area. Yes. So if it's a gel, it yep. is still liquidy enough. Jams so, and jellies um, count. That's right. Cranberry sauce, either homemade or canned. Gravy, wine, champagne, yeah, cider. Like, who's traveling with gravy? Like, I mean, you got that special stuff. Maybe they got like a gravy starter that they've been feeding all oh, year around wow. with yeah. drippings from their roasted turkey. I don't Put know. Put it in your checked bag in a lot of Ziploc layers. Along with preserves, jams, jellies, and maple syrup, the solid stuff, the good stuff, such as baked goods, meat, stuffing, casseroles, mac and cheese, and fresh fruits and vegetables, you can carry through the TSA check So you can bring your whole turkey or your chicken just without weapons in the category, in the cavity. Yes, but it's got to fit underneath the oh, seat in front true. of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your fellow passengers would appreciate you putting that in the overhead bin because of shifting, <laughs> because things may shift during flights. So. They have some helpful photos on their website that shows this is what you can yeah. carry on. An apple pie, a box of stuffing, a packet of gravy starter that is not in liquid form. That's okay. Yeah. All of the, all this stuff that's basic grocery store staples that you shouldn't have right, to fly home with buy because that when you get there. you've got those. Yeah. I think this was all their way of saying, hey, make sure that your liquids are under. I look forward ounces. to two weeks from now seeing some fun articles about the wacky crap that people tried to fly home for Thanksgiving with. Yeah, because that's it always will an early. Yes. It's always a fun, a highlight of early December. Is, Seeing the crazy crap. You yeah, know follow it's the TSA's happen. Instagram for some of those photos. I'm sure they'll be show sharing. That's a quality Insta follow. It really is. It's I love the it. TSA. They like to show off what they've confiscated. Um Wow, that means we're almost done. I had two quick I'm calling on them quick hits for Thanksgiving. In honor Ellis of Turkey here. Day. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if these are necessarily entirely, one of them is definitely travel related. We'll get to that. But first of all, I want to talk about the fact that Americans once celebrated Thanksgiving with tricks, treats, and mayhem. I had no idea about this. And apparently this went relatively late in, into the 20th century. But so the, at the turn of the century, Thanksgiving Day looked like Halloween. It was called Ragamuffin. So weird. Yeah, in New York, specifically in Manhattan, was where this mostly took place. Kids would dress up either like hobos or love a good hobo or famous figures from American history. It's a weird, it's a weird juxtaposition. It's like you're either George Washington or you're a hobo, and they would run from door to door, asking if they had anything to, if the occupants of the house had anything to give them for Thanksgiving, and they'd collect apples, candy, pennies, snacks. Of that sort of thing. That's the yeah. house that you throw the rotten apples at, the one that gives you the pennies. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So it was mostly an opportunity for the kids to, and they would also, the other part of this was that they would take get up to tricks and mayhem, for example, pelting pedestrians with confetti and flour, hitching rides flour. on the fenders of moving cars. There's some, I mean, there's some TikTokers who make a lot of money doing that to this yeah. very day, covering each other with flowers. Is this it's like the precursor to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Just oh, weird almost. stuff it happening like in it. Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah. And so this went on into the 1950s. I've uh, never heard of this. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, modern Halloween trick-or-treat as we know it didn't really take off until into the 40s and 50s in America. The last recorded ragamuffin day in New York was in 1956 in the Bronx. Hmm. So again, I say, another once again, tradition to bring back. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can update this the way we've talked about. You know, some of those mummering uh, and yeah. other kinds of ha- Christmas traditions. I Something mean, thing with a sheep skull. Yeah, I mean, if you incorporated the social drinking into this, where you go out dressed up like a hobo. <laughs> And get drunk and cause mayhem in the streets. We don't have that enough really hobo holidays. That's right. That's right. I mean, would you rather throw around the football Thanksgiving afternoon or go out in the street dressed like a hobo and throw flour at people? Definitely. I know what I one. would prefer to do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another interesting way that you can celebrate Thanksgiving is at... A Holiday World theme park, which is in the town of Santa Claus, Indiana. Santa Claus, Indiana? Yeah. Holiday yes. World. I didn't know this That's existed. Right. Yeah, it's a weird little theme park that is, there was actually kind of like a little rash of Christmas-themed theme parks that mm-hmm. opened up in the 1940s, 1950s. And this is one of the only ones that survived in America. It started as Santa Claus Land, and it was just Christmas themed with shops and rides and stuff. Uh, in the 80s, they said, we need something to keep the folks coming in. We're going to add some more holidays. And so the first, the newest lands added were Halloween and the 4th of July in the 80s. Oh, man, there's a turkey shaped tilt-a-whirl. Yeah. So, so then... Not that long ago. Oh, 2006, they added the latest section is Thanksgiving Land. Yay. Yeah. And so they do have a tilt of world that you sit in a turkey and sprint around. It looks so cool. And then hilarious. they have one of those, they have one of those Viking ship rides that they claim is the what the Mayflower. Oh, so I yes, guess kind love of love it. Yeah. And then there's a steel roller coaster. The Thanksgiving the, there's two roller coasters. roller coaster. There's two Thanksgiving themed oh, roller wow. coasters. One is a wooden roller coaster called The Voyage. It's a mile-long coaster that's apparently actually like a coaster fan favorite. It wins awards every year. It's got huge drops and and free falls, and it's themed. It's got landscaping and theming to make it themed to Pilgrims on the Main. Ah, okay. I got it. Like you're coming across on The Voyage. Yes. That's so I don't, it's called The Voyage. I get it. Yeah, cool. and I don't oh. see any pictures. I'll have to look for a video, but they make it seem like it's actually themed to the include. The steel so I'll, roller I'll, I'll coaster that is called the Thunderbird. Is it a turkey? Uh, no, this one's a stretch. I have a feeling that that was the name of the roller coaster when they bought it <laughs> off the shelf. <laughs> because they say here, this the Thunderbird needed a little finessing to fit the theme. We had to kind of create our own legend to more or less pull together the pilgrims' ride in the Mayflower to the Thunderbird, helping them find their way. Oh, okay, I got it. They should have named yeah. it, renamed it something turkey themed. Although, given that turkeys are flightless birds, maybe. Yeah, that's that might be a little bit of a problem. The other problem for guests in this land is they have a restaurant that serves very large Thanksgiving dinners year round. Oh. So. 
So you can go and get your turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy in Indiana in the summer and then immediately get off and ride a giant wooden roller coaster. That sounds coaster. like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of puke waiting to happen. I so. want to hear more about this dark ride where you round up neon turkeys with infrared turkey collars. Yeah, that sounds like the best park, to be honest. It's kind of like that, which park is it? It's one of the Asian parks has the Monsters, Inc. ride. Yes. Where you shine a flashlight at them. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that, but with neon turkeys. Because those are my favorite kind of turkeys. Unless they're attached to the world. This yeah, looks cool. delightful. Although I think it's funny that you it's closed from November through March. So it's closed <laughs> on most of the holidays that it celebrates. <laughs> but you know what? If you really love Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's a way to celebrate them the rest of the year. Right. Yeah. Santa Claus, weird. Indiana. I'm here for turkey-shaped tilt-a-whirls. I think we need a field trip. Sounds good to me. Let's celebrate. I might ride the roller coasters before stuffing my face in the Thanksgiving dinner section. That's probably a good choice. Thanks for hanging out with us again this week. If you're excited to experience the magic of the holidays at Disney World or Universal, or explore anywhere else around the world, Key to the World Travel has a butterball turkey stuffed full of expert travel planners. And they're all ready to make your vacation dreams a reality. Head to www.keytotheworldtravel.com to get started with a no-obligation quote. Word of mouth is the best way to help us grow our show. If you have a friend or two who you think would appreciate our special brand of globetrotting jackassery, tell them what makes our show so great and send them our way. You can find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite apps and all the latest updates at www.goldkeyadventurers.com. We can't wait to hang out with you again later this week and we'll see you real soon. Bye, y'all. To ask a question or share your travel story, you can reach us by smoke signal, carrier pigeon, or send an email to goldkeyadventurers at gmail.com. And make sure you follow the Gold Key Adventure Society on Facebook and Instagram. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Key to the World Travel. For all your travel planning needs, visit www.keytotheworldtravel.com for a free quote and help planning the trip of a lifetime. Tell them the gold Key Adventurers sent you. That's www.keytotheworldtravel.com. Key to the World Travel, your key to a magical vacation. Thanks to Outer Vibe for the use of their song, Hoka Hey, for the intro and outro of our show. Find them on Facebook at The Outer Vibe or check out www.outervibe.com for tour dates, music, merch, and more. We'll see you next week for another meeting of the Gold Key Adventure Society. And until then, remember, life is short and the world is wide. So go have an adventure.